Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is going on, Charlotte Hornets fans? It is I, Darian Thomas, the host of the Believe in Hornets podcast, a part of the Believe Podcast Network. And we have a lot to talk about today. Uh, Everything I'm recording is shortly after Miles Bridges and Mitch Kupchak talk to the media. There's offseason rumors to talk about. We still don't know what's going on with P.J. Washington. Brandon Miller got to talk to his idol, uh, Paul George. There's just a lot to talk about. So we're going to go ahead and dive in it. So the first thing I would like to talk about is Miles Bridges. I will say I personally don't believe that anything he says in general words in general cannot replace his actions I'm, I'm just going to say that nothing he says will ever fix what he did physically like actively but based on what he said in the press conference I personally think that that was probably the best bet. I, there was nothing more, nothing less he could have said. What I liked about what he said was essentially that, hey, I'm still going to be the guy. I'm still going to, you know, I'm still going to be who I was when I was drafted, which take that as you may. But I got what he was trying to say is that he's coming from a pure standpoint. He's trying to be the person that the Hornets fell in love with when they drafted him. He's trying to be a better person. He said he's going to therapy. He apologizes, you know, to everyone for embarrassing everyone, his family, his kids, the the media, the organization. He did everything. And it seemed like he really meant it. It said, well, meant it. It seemed like he really meant what he said. And I don't know the guy personally. I he could be well coached up, which he probably was, but I think this is a good start. Just because of the fact that, like I said, words, I, I when you when stuff like this happens and they come out and they do a little press conference, all I look for is just don't make it worse. And I think Miles Bridges did that. I think he did a better job of just, I wouldn't say evening the playing field, but I think he did a good job of just settling the dust. And at this point, we can look at him and be like, all right, what are you going to do to be better? He, I know he said, that, like I said, he's going to therapy. He wants to be more involved in the community. There's a lot of things he said. But what are your actions? So I think he, with what he said, I think he did a great job of just settling the dust, kind of somewhat starting a clean slate. We still have our pre, you know, conceptions about him. But I think he did a good job of just coming out and doing the best he can with the words. Now, the actions, we'll see. I don't know how soon this is going to get started. We may never hear about his actions as far as if he's out there volunteering in the community, unless people see him, unless it's recorded. Now, I'm pretty sure more than likely it'll probably get recorded, but it's very possible that he just does it on his own free will, on his own free time. It's very possible. I just don't know. It's, it's going to be hard to gauge, but I think that if you're Miles Bridges, clutch sports, anybody around him supporting him, wanting him to be this paid NBA successful player, then I think that you're going to have those things come to light, at least to make it look like it, that he he means it. And like I said, he could 100% mean it. I don't know the guy. All I'm saying is 
if you want Miles Bridges to be on the trajectory he was before the incident, then I think that the best thing would be to record it, have people know, have people have Miles talk about it. That is what you should do. So we'll see if they actually do that. And that's really it. I mean, as far as just with Miles Bridges, just because there's not really much to talk about basketball wise. We know how important he is to this team. But this is bigger than basketball, so I'm glad that he addressed it. I'm glad that the team addressed it. They had to, I mean, considering just being left in the dark for so long. But like I said, it is just words. I'm very curious to see what those actions will be, especially considering he ruined our play, not our playoffs, but he ruined our cold free agency last season by doing what he did and he had nothing to do with this free agency, which we can go ahead and move into and talk about. I think this free agency is ugly. Um, I don't think you're looking to, you were looking coming into this offseason. I don't think you were looking into Miles Bridges and PJ Washington, both possibly signing a qualifying offer, which that's maybe what it could be like for PJ. I don't know. Maybe a deal's being worked out. I have no idea. But as of right now, I, I, I'm just pretty certain that PJ will be back, just not in the way people want, which is on the qualifying offer. I just don't see a world where you wanted that coming into this offseason. I think you knew Miles was going to be on the qualifying offer. I think you knew that. I think you accepted that. But I just don't think you expected Um, I don't think you expected both of them to be on there. I think you expect either PJ to be gone or PJ to have re-signed on a long-term deal. And I get why you may be hesitant because apparently he wants like 18 to 20 and the Hornets haven't offered him 16. I get it to an extent. Um, I don't think PJ's worth to 20 million. But when you're a medium market team, when you're a team that is in the situation that the Hornets are in where we struggle to really just have anybody that's decent for a long period of time. Sometimes you got to just bite the bullet and make decisions that you typically wouldn't make. However, I do get it. I do get why they're kind of a little hesitant. The market obviously hasn't been there for PJ considering him and Kelly Oubre are some of the last free agents left. So I can see where the Hornets are like, Hey, look, dude, no one else has wanted you for that number. Cause if they did, you know, we would have talked to them or something And here we are, you know, well after free agency and we're still here. We are still here. No team has reached out um, that you're not getting offered the money that you expected. So what now? And it hurts just because of the fact that, you know, you you love to see the players get paid. um, But I don't want PJ get paid that kind of money, especially considering there's a high possibility he could end up coming off the bench either this year or next year. And that's depending on how the Hornets see Brandon Miller. Do they see him more of a 2-3 or do they see him more of a 3-4? I don't know. I know in some league they played around with him being at the 3-4. And then, well, he was at the 4 for like the first few summer league games. Then he moved to the 3. Right now, he's not a shooting guard. I know that some people say he can be. As of right now, this second, I don't see it. I see where he could be in the future. But if we're talking about what he is right now, I don't see him successfully playing that spot unless it depends who's at the three in a certain lineup. I have no idea. So like if for whatever reason, it's LaMelo, um, Brandon Miller, Bryce McGowan's miles and Mark. I'm not saying a starting lineup. This is just a regular lineup. 
I could see Brandon Miller being at the two technically just because of the fact that Bryce McGowan's can play both. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know what the Hornets plan on doing. It, it really just is going to depend on the lineups they run. And as of right now, they have a lot of different combinations they could use. So with that being said, PJ possibly may not even be a starter. It's very, it's very possible. I don't think it will happen, but it's possible at some point, either this year or next year, if they sign him long-term, he could not start. And that was kind of like my biggest thing with even drafting Brandon Miller was that if you draft Brandon Miller, there's a high possibility that PJ, who I assumed at the time would come back on a long-term deal, PJ would come off the bench at some point. And that's not what he signed up for. And even if he's getting paid the money he wants, I don't think anybody – most people, especially younger players, are okay with coming off the bench, even if they are getting paid a certain amount, especially considering he's been close to a starter his whole time in Charlotte. It, it, it's going to be tough. I, I really wish I had an answer for what to do with PJ, but I just don't know because it's one of those things where nothing has happened. We haven't heard about too many teams being interested in him, and if we do, it's like a it, it's maybe we hear for two hours and then it's a different team the next day for two hours. So we haven't heard any good concrete information about what PJ's value is around the league outside of the fact that he just hasn't been signed or approached. I think if anything, that tells the value of PJ. But also, I think there needs to be a conversation about people saying, well, PJ obviously has no value because he hasn't been signed. And I'm a little hesitant to completely agree with that. While I do believe it's telling, I don't think it tells the whole story. If you're other teams, I think you're expecting Charlotte to match anything you do. So what is the point? Because I remember, well, I don't, I wish I could remember what podcast it was. And so forgive me. But they were talking about how the Indiana Pacers sent like a memo out to everybody, or maybe it was the Spurs. I don't know. It was one of the teams. They sent like a memo out to all the teams saying, hey, we're not doing, we're not just going to go out here and match. I think it had to be the six, uh, not the Sixers, the Pacers, just because of the fact that they um, tried to sign DeAndre Ayton last year. But the Pacers, let's just say the Pacers, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But the Pacers said, hey, we're not just going to go around matching people or trying to sign people to make y'all, like, we're not doing that. And I think that was a sentiment around the league. I think a lot of teams were just like, you know what, dude, it's a waste of time. We're not going to sit here and try to sign players and they just, you know, the team matches. Especially considering, let's say if you're the Cavs, that's just a team I've seen floating around for PJ. For whatever reason, let's say you sign PJ and you do 50, 14 million, 14 million. I mean, that's that's probably that's just not too far off what the Hornets will be willing to give him. I think they're playing hardball with him because they want the lowest amount possible. Lamelo's extension coming up. I think 100% planned on bringing back uh, Miles Bridges. You know, at some point in the future, Mark Williams is going to have to be signed. We know Terry Rozier is technically still on the books, and you don't we don't know what the trade is going to look like for him. It's just different things you got to think about future tense. So. That would be a the 15 would be something that the Hornets would entertain. But then if you're the Cavs or the Mavericks, why sign PJ to 20? Because let's say that we know that like the Hornets are not going to are not going to uh, match that. But then if you're the Cavs, if you're the Mavs, you're like, okay, well, now we have PJ for 20 million, who I wouldn't say could easily be replaced, but 
you, you could get a good player to replace it. It's not like it, it's not like it's impossible. It's harder. It's not going to be easy. It's not just going to be your random second round guy that you get from the draft and that falls and then you pick him up and then he replaces PJ. It's not going to be that easy, but it is possible. And the reason it's different for the Charlotte Hornets is because we struggle to keep talent in general. So while it is possible to replace someone that provides what PJ provides, it's still for the Hornets. It's like, uh, what has been our luck doing that? And that's the hardest part about being a Charlotte Hornets fan is that and this is kind of a tangent, but it's it's that sometimes the, you hope the team makes a stupid or dumb mistake in the other direction. So like, OK, they'd make a mistake and it's like, OK, this is I could have told you this wasn't a good idea. And yet here we are like the Gordon Hayward thing. But signing PJ is like, OK, this may not be a good idea. However, we've watched this team long enough to see that they struggle even getting that kind of talent. So and they haven't shown me anything that says they can do that. They can replace that kind of talent. So it's it, that's where it gets kind of tricky to me is because it's hard to separate what the team has done historically in the past. And that's for Rich Cho, even Mitch Kupchak, so on and so forth. Michael Jordan, whoever you want to add to say they're making def- decisions for the team. It's just we struggle. Mitch Kupchak, I think, has done a better job drafting. But still, it's just with what has happened once again in the past, it's hard to put your trust into the team. And it's just like, okay, we know what PJ is. We know that he can be valuable. We know that with a good team, he's better. I think he's one of those players who he's only as good as the team around him. And there's nothing wrong with that. Plenty of teams need players like that. So it's just why would we willingly let someone like him walk considering we don't know if we can replace him because we have, we don't have a history of being able to replace players like that. Cause as good as cup chick, I said has been in the draft. He still had, he missed an entire draft with Kai and James. So there's that. Um, it, it, it's hard to exactly know what will work best just because of the fact that this team, they just struggle. They just struggle. So I get both sides is essentially what I'm saying. I get if you're the, we should just let PJ walk. He's not that good, which I don't think that's true, but I get it. I understand it. Um, Just because of the fact that there's a high chance he could come off the bench. There's a high chance he's may not, the way this team seems like it may be going, it may not even be just room for him to get quality minutes. It, it, it's just, what do you do? And I, and I get the other side with keeping him. Kind of close to my sentiments is that, you know, we can't replace the talent. Technically, JT Thor would be our four. Uh, We don't really even have anyone to back up JT Thor. What do we do at this point? And and then you struggle and kind of try to figure it out. And I just don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea. We still don't even have a backup point guard. So not only are we technically missing our starting power forward, at least our starting power forward from last year, but we're also not, we don't have a backup point guard at all. And Personally, I'll say this. I think there's something up with Dennis Smith Jr. not resigning with the Charlotte Hornets. You're telling me a team that took a risk on you at the time, signed you when no one else would, brought brought you for a homecoming. You had an excellent season in my eyes for the minutes you have or what we would ask you to do. They offered you more money. Than the team you sign with, and yet you still don't sign with them because of the opportunity. Considering the mellow ball, who 
as of right now, I'm going to call a spade a spade, has injury issues, and you would have ample opportunity to start. And but even, even, if, even if you don't start, you have ample opportunity to play backup point guard. It's not like you were this high-volume player, you know, last couple of years. So I'm not saying, Dennis Smith Jr., do what you do. Do what's best for your family. Do what's best for your career. I'm not knocking that at all. I'm wondering on the Charlotte Hornets side, is there something where he was just like, yeah, it just doesn't make sense when it makes all the sense in the world. Now, I will say Brooklyn doesn't have, do they even have a point guard at all? Did they get Dariq Whitehead? They got Dariq Whitehead and Noah Clowney, I believe. I, I don't even know. I'm trying to think. I don't even know who they even have as point guard. Seth Curry's no longer there. And even though he's not even really, really a point guard. Yeah, I, I've stopped about Ben Simmons, but what do you get from Ben Simmons? I don't know. It's tough. I, I, I don't at the top of my head, I don't think they have a point guard. So maybe that is that's literally wide open for Dennis Smith Jr. to go in there, but still it's 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 just rough to see. Um Outside of that, we have, speaking of backup point guard, we have um, Ayo Desumu, who possibly uh, is a restricted free agent from the Bulls, and I think maybe he's having some of the P.J. effect because he's not that bad. Um, I, at least I would expect some team to approach him. But also, uh, by P.J. effect, I mean teams are hesitant to even contact him because the Bulls just might um, – uh, what is it? Match bad any offer, even though I do think they got the 10 million or 11 million it was because of Lonzo not playing. So maybe they'll do something with that. I don't know. It, it's weird because there's a there's a few teams who are in this position where, hey, we want to get better. Um, We don't want to be in the bottom. We want to be better than last year. And they really quite haven't done anything to do that. Hornets, you bring in a rookie. Um, and then you're hoping everybody's one year better. Then you bring back also Miles Bridges. So you okay, maybe that helps. But still, you you bring back Miles Bridges, but you lose PJ. It's like eh, I know they don't necessarily cancel each other out, but it the Miles Bridges returning means much less to me considering PJ would be missing. So that's another team. That's a team like of course we could talk about that's our team, but that's missing. It's just like ah, you're there, but you're not quite there. You're just an existing team right now. You don't really have a direction still because I, I I don't think you can bring a pop miles bridges in and, and for all intents and purposes, just for the sake of time, you lose PJ Washington. He's got completely better and say, okay, we'll be the same team. We were two years ago. I don't think that's how it works. And then you have teams like, the Knicks, who really haven't done anything to get that much better. I mean, retaining Josh Hart was nice, but to what extent? Does that really make you better than last year? I don't think so. You beat the Cavs, yeah, good job, but they come back and, you know, they, they're stronger than ever. And then who else? Oh, the Bulls, of course. That's what I was talking about. Ayo Desumu, uh, you don't bring them back, but. Okay, now you don't have a point guard. You still haven't done anything with the 11 million. There's still time. I'm just saying it's just kind of weird because we have these teams who want to take the next step. And the next step for all those teams are completely different. Like the Hornets are just trying to make the playoffs. Bulls are trying to stay like kind of in that area of, I guess, make the playoffs because they missed it last year. But make the playoffs and just be better than they were last year. Knicks are trying to take the next step. They made it to the second round. Gave the Heat a little problem, but really couldn't capitalize on an injured Jimmy Butler. Um 
So what you're not really you really haven't done anything to take that next step. And for the Hornets, that's a recurring theme for us is that we just don't we get to a certain place and they're like, oh, well, this is better than we were last time. And we stay there and we don't really look to get much better. It's like, oh, maybe we'll get a little better, but we don't look to get much better. So still time. But we de- we desperately need a backup point guard. We need to figure out the situation we're going with PJ. I don't think that you can lose PJ and do nothing. So even if you don't bring back PJ for whatever reason, I think that you have to do something. You have to replace him in some capacity just because those behind him are not where he was. Whether however you feel about PJ, I know a lot of people is majority of just the money. You don't want to bring him back because of the money he's asking for. You don't want to give him. So I get that, but. He's still a talented NBA player, just not, you know, maybe not at the price point you would want. You have to find something to replace that because what's behind him is non-existent. I'm not trusting JT Thor to, to do what PJ Washington does. I'm just not. Not right now. He can now he can go in. He can come in and surprise me for sure. I think that towards like the half of the second half of the season, JT Thor, I think, got better with every single game. I saw improvements in his game every single game. But overall, it's just, eh, it, it, I don't trust it. So, need a backup point guard. Need to figure out what's going on with PJ. And then lastly, I'll just talk about DeLon Wright. DeLon Wright, I think, has been, uh, I guess, the apple of the Hornets' eye lately since they missed out on, I think specifically it said Aaron Holiday. Since they missed out on Aaron Holiday, they're looking at DeLon Wright, who I think is a pretty good backup. I mean, all things considered, yes, it'll be a one year rental, but it'll be a veteran. It'll be a guy who can play make. It's a guy who can drive to the basket, even though his finishing rate isn't that high. I think that having the defense be able to collapse and him kicking out to our guy will open up their games, will also open up his because eventually people are going to know he's going to, you know, so it all just works out with his just ability to drive. I think he has a good ability to attack the basket, even though his finishing rate may not be the highest. His shooting splits aren't the best in the world, but they're not bad either. I mean, I think it's like 40. I want to say 43, 34, and 80-something. Not bad. And then also you got to think about he played with the Wizards last year. So I think his three-point shooting can go up a little bit. So maybe you can see him at the 36, 37 range. Not bad at all, especially for a backup guard. And he's a pretty good perimeter defender. I think he's a pretty good on-ball perimeter defender, and that's something we need. He's not – I don't think he's going to be Dennis Smith Jr., but I do think he is going to provide much better than what we have. Um, I know Cody Martin, it's possible because he's not that bad of a playmaker either, and I know some don't want to hear that, but I think Cody Martin actually is a pretty decent playmaker. Just I mean, good enough is more so what I want to say, but I just don't trust anything Cody Martin does right now just because – he kept trying to come back last year and he was injured. So I need to see him healthy before I can really have a gauge on if that's a good idea. So overall, I, it, I, there's some options. There's some options out there for the Charlotte Hornets, but I have no idea what they're going to do. I have no idea. It's been very kept quiet about what this team's going to do. So it's really just hard. And also, I mean, quite frankly, it's annoying to just sit here and try to guess. At this point, we're just playing a waiting game with them until they figure out what they want to do. So... There is that. And the last thing I like to talk about on this podcast, on this episode, don't forget to leave a five star review and a comment saying how I'm doing. Uh, follow me on Twitter at TrustBuzz, uh, T R U Z Z B U Z Z. And also go to my YouTube channel, Trust the Buzz, uh, on YouTube. That's where I make basically shorter versions of what I'm saying here. But, and sometimes I upload the podcast from on there as well. So if you just want to go there and support, that'll be great. But, 
Last thing I want to talk about briefly, just because I haven't watched the interview yet, is Brandon Miller talking to his idol, Paul George. I think that just from the clips I've seen, I think it's just a really good moment to have a veteran kind of embrace a young player, especially a young player that looks up to him. You know, sometimes they say don't meet your idols, but it seemed like that was a really good moment for both of those guys. For Paul George to be like, you know what, my career did not go as intended and currently is not going as intended, but I am still able to impact a younger generation. And I think while winning a championship, while getting all the accolades is very important to a lot of basketball players. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that when you take that away, I think there's something, I think that's something every player, I wouldn't say, yeah, I would say every player wants. And that's just the acknowledgement. Like, Hey, I know you didn't beat LeBron. I know you had injury trouble. I know you and Kawhi kind of, you know, are flippy floppy, but I admire you. I admire your game. I, I think there's something to that. And I and you could tell by Paul George and how he was acting or how he was talking on the podcast that he really appreciated Brandon Miller just being like, dude, I don't because, you know, right now we're in a way of the NBA where how many championships does he got? How many all first team NBAs? How good is his team? All that stuff apparently matters more than how the player plays. And I get it to an extent. But still, I think it was nice for Paul George to be like, no, this dude literally idolizes me and I haven't been able to do everything that, you know, someone he could have else picked Kobe, LeBron, Steph. So I think there's something to that. And I think Brandon Miller, I think it's good to have that guy like Paul George, his idol to be so reciprocative, reciprocative. I'm messing up the word, but you get what I'm saying of his love. Cause imagine if he was all Paul George, you know, I love you. Okay. Maybe that's far, but Paul George, you're my favorite player. You're my idol. This, that, and the other. And Paul George is kind of like, yeah, I appreciate it, but let you know, I'm not even going to have you on the pod or I'm just having you on for views. And we're not really, no, I think that Paul George really was accepting of Brandon Miller's love and just how much he he idolizes him as a player. So I think that helps Brandon Miller' sake as well. And Paul George, from what I saw, was like, "Hey, anytime you need me, just let me know. I love to be like a mentor to you." So I, I just really like that for both. I really like that for both. I think Paul George, you're getting your flowers in in an era where you were kind of always overshadowed by LeBron, Steph, and then now you and Kawhi can't quite get it clicking. But you're 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 seeing that people still admire you, even though you're not the face of the NBA or whatever. They they're they watching basketball and they see how good you are and they're appreciative of it. And in Brandon Miller, I think it's just good to have that guy you look up to be so accepting of you and and just want the best for you and kind of be cheering you on. So and Brandon Miller is just a troll in general. So it's good to see that like something he actually cares about. Is, is is happening in his favor. So anyway, that does it for this podcast. Uh, let me know what you think. If there's anything I would change, I could change to make better content for you. And um, I'll see you guys next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.